What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Woman Be Healed podcast. The podcast all about acknowledging the opportunity to heal, harnessing the power of forgiveness by leaning on God and community. I'm your host, Rashonda Powell. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Yo, if y'all got babies, I'm just wondering if y'all's week, two weeks, was as busy as mine in the past two weeks. Because, child, my my gosh, I am beat, okay? <laughs> but it's also a bittersweet kind of mode, you know? Because my house has been clean throughout the whole day until they get home. I mean, it's been lovely. <laughs> Even though I miss them, babe, it's, it's been lovely throughout the day, okay? My, my house is clean. But um, anyway, just to kind of recap, last episode, we started season two of the podcast by taking a look back into a former episode that took us back to um, refocus, you know, refocus to yes. Um, this season, my main focus is getting back to God to get back to you and moving in your units. And one thing that I really get excited about with my baby starting school, you know, I do parent pickups. So um, in between me dropping off my youngest babies at the primary school and my oldest um, at her school, there's like this 30 minute gap of me just kind of sitting in the car waiting on, you know, waiting to drop her off. I hand her my phone. She kind of scrolls through whatever. And then I get to read in my Bible uninterrupted without anything else to do before I get back home and logging in for work. But it kind of just sets my day up, um, you know, off to a great start with God. And I love that part. So while I'm kind of, you know, st- still trying to figure out the, the in-between <laughs> um, in the morning, in the mornings, like when I'm getting back to work and my workouts and things like that, it'll come. But this particular time of my day, me reading in my mornings, um, it's been great. So I've been studying and kind of just reading and first of all, just to kind of get a clear pass of this season I've been, you know, really focusing on. And also in this season of the episode, I've been trying to just make sure I'm in alignment with with what God wants me to speak on the podcast. But also what what he wants me to do within my daily walk, right? So I've been reading in order for a while now, you know, with the occasional skip around. And I'm in First Chronicles. So you know how kings give you gives you a rundown of the Old Testament kings that ruled in Israel and in, in Judah. Well, I'm reading about David again. And just to give you um, a bit of a rundown about David, David was chosen as king by God in Samuel chapter 16. The prophet Samuel was sent to find a king to replace a king named Saul because Saul began to be, you know, real disobedient to God. And God was like, all right, you're done. You know, God told the prophet Samuel, we ain't dealing with him no more. I've chosen a new king. So he sends Samuel to a man named Jesse. So Jesse has seven sons that he lined up for Samuel to choose from, you know, for God to pick from for for, for to be king, right? And all of them seem to be tall, good looking, you know, um, appearance wise, they were they were set. But as as Jesse, you know, gives him his, the sons to kind of look for, and Samuel is like, okay, picking through them, 
God is like, no, it's not him. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. So he finally tells Samuel, like, yo, we're not looking for them to look good. Man judges by appearance, but me, I judge by the heart. (laughs) So after he kind of tells, you know, Jesse, like, these ain't the ones, do you got anybody else? Do you got any more sons? So Jesse's like, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I got one more, but he's the youngest and he keeps the sheep. You know, he ain't that good looking, okay? But Samuel's like, listen, I'm not moving. Nobody's moving until he, until we see him, like kind of bring him out. So Jesse does, and God's like, that's the one. He tells Samuel, that's the one. I choose him. So that's when, you know, David's chosen to be king. Put yourself in David's shoes right now. Like, I can imagine if I were David... I would be so flattered because God chose me to be king out of all of my brothers, even though I was low-key not the best looking. (laughs) Like, that was like the best and worst compliment, I feel like, because God chose you even in the midst of him saying, hey, you know, we ain't looking for a parent here. But anyway, I would also feel like, a whole lot of nerves and a whole lot scared because my position is now changing from a man that keeps the sheep on my father's land to being a king of God's people. Like, I don't know the criteria of keeping sheep, but I suppose it's a whole lot of steps in the in-between of being prepared for keeping sheep and being prepared for being a king of God's people. So I was praying the other day and something made me pray for God to equip me for where he would have me to go according to wherever he has purpose for my life. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the question of what do you have for me and where do you want me to go and how do I get there that we don't even ask for proper preparation, for proper equipment. Because even if he told me where to go (laughs) and when I would get there, when I actually got to that point, would I even be equipped and prepared to handle where he placed me at like that's a that's a big old question and sometimes we skip steps in our eagerness if God were to bless me right now for those things that he has told me that I would come into I promise you that I would not even know what to do with it because I'm not equipped to handle where he's promised or what he's promised me just yet I'm just not ready I'm not ready and to be completely honest sometimes we think we're ready but we're not equipped with the weapons, the tools, and the the things that God knows we need in those situations. You might be ready for one situation, but God is like, hey, yo, if I send you in there right now, you're going to be going in there with a knife when they got cannons. Just chill, you know? So in me asking God to equip me for where he would have me to go, I started thinking about in what areas would I like to be better equipped in. You know, each of us has different roles and where we, um, you know, what we play. We we have our different hats. So um, just kind of inviting you in, like, I want to be a a good mom. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good trainer in my job. I want to be a good teacher to be able to be used and be a usable instrument for God. I want to be able to talk to women just like me as believers, as someone who just wants to be all that God has them to be. And to be these things, I have to be equipped. 
I have to know how to control my emotions. I have to know how to effectively communicate. I have to know how to be confident and stand in situations that I may feel uncomfortable in. I have to know how to forgive and actually forgive when need be. I have to know how to apologize and um, hold accountability when I'm wrong. And as a leader and as a partner and as a mom, I have to know these things. I have to be equipped <laughs> with the things and the situations for me to be able to handle what I may come into being in these roles and wearing these different hats. And sometimes that's hard because in being equipped, sometimes you have to know the consequences <laughs> of being unequipped going in not ready, having those hard and tough conversations, screaming and fighting because you don't know communication until you realize, hey, this ain't getting nowhere and learn a better way. You don't know effective communication until you've gone through these wrong ways. Realizing what it doesn't look like for you to know, okay, something is wrong. Or realizing, wait, this looks familiar. And I didn't like it this way, nor do I like it now. Maybe there's something here that I have to unlearn for this to have a better outcome. So kind of just going back into um, David for a minute, there's two stories that I really like about David so far. I'm still reading on him, but these two stories I really like about him. So the first story is one we all know, you know, well, of course, and it's the story of David and Goliath. Yo, I wish I could ping him this dude on IG that was telling his Atlanta version of this story. But all in all, there was a battle going on between the Israelites and the Philistines. Goliath was a big Philistine giant. So David's brothers initially went to fight, you know, um, the Philistines with King Saul. And David hung back with his dad. But his dad ends up sending David to see what's going on and to send his brother's food and things like that. So David goes, and when he goes, he hears someone popping, you know, big smack about the Israelites and God. But dude talking smack turns out to be this big Philistine giant, and everyone else was kind of scared to face the giant. But David is like, nah, I'm finna go shut him up real quick. King Saul, you know I killed a lion and a bear. This dude finna be next. This uncircumcised elephant neck finna be next. So he's trying to plead his case to King Saul, like, just send me out there. Put me in the game, coach. The Lord that delivered me out of the paws of them beasts going to do the same here. So basically, he gets to go ahead from King Saul to go and face Goliath, right? But King Saul tries to give him all of this armor to put on, thinking his um, equipping David is by the right standards and by, you know, by the right things. Thinking his equipping Saul, I mean, so he gets to go ahead from King David. So he gets to go ahead from King Saul to go and face Goliath, right? So King Saul tries to give him all this armor to put on, thinking he's equipping him with the right things by war standard or by the world standard, by how everyone else kind of sees it, right? But David is like, uh, you know, hey, you know, I can't even move in this. I can't do what I need to. So he takes all this armor off that King Saul just gave him. And he goes in his shepherd's bag and he grabs a slingshot. And then he picks out five smooth stones from a, a brook 
you know, nearby. Then he goes down in the field where Goliath is, you know, still down there popping off and starts talking smack to David even while he's coming and telling him what he's going to do to him. But then David's like, hey, you talking all that junk with your sword and your shield, and I'm coming to you with my God, and watch this. So he took the slingshot from his bag and the stone and popped that thing right in the middle of Goliath's forehead. And Goliath fell right on his face. And then David ran up on him, snatched up Goliath's sword. And sometimes people will try to equip you <laughs> or give you what worked for them and expect you to win with that. They want you to win by what they gave you so they can kind of take credit for it. They want you to win by what society works and says what works for you or is the way to go, like algorithms and, you know, what this generation says and what this generation does. When God is saying, hey, we're going to do it this way, by what you already have inside your bag, what I've already given you on your heart, what I'm placing inside your head and by... <laughs> By my standards, and by the world standards, this may not look like much, but listen, because I'm in it and because it's coming from me, God saying, this little something that they see is going to cover you. This little something is going to keep you. This little something is going to win this battle. So stop looking around for what you might or what might work for these people and what might work for the world, and look to me for your equipment. Look to me to show you what you already have because you're my child, and then nobody else can say that it was by their hand, or you can't even say that it was by yourself because it was by me, by my hand, by my might, by my power that you won this, that you got elevated here. And then the other story of David that's not really common to servants and things that um we kind of speak about in church, but it's when David has been already kind of anointed king of Israel and captures Jerusalem. And he's like, all right, if everybody's on board, let's bring the Ark of God back to us. And if y'all don't know, the Ark of God was the most sacred relic of the Israelites. It was a kind of like a wooden chest with pure gold, but it represented God's presence. And where the Ark was, it was like God was physically with whoever the ark was so David's like yo we got to get that back so everybody's on board right and he gets everybody together David gets everybody together and they go to the city where the ark was and they get it and they put it on this cart to kind of carry it out and two men were in charge of driving the cart but while they were driving the cart the oxen stumbled and one of the men that was driving the, the cart Uzzah I don't know how you say his name. Uzzah saw the car, saw the ark about to fall, and he put his hand out to hold it up. But in him doing this, he got struck down by God and killed because he touched the ark. And he wasn't one of the people ordained to handle it. So they ended up having to leave the ark at a man named Obed-Edom's house for about three months, where Obed was kind of big blessed the entire time. It kind of, you know, stayed there until David realized, hey, we went about this the wrong way the first time. We did it all wrong. We didn't even come to God and ask God how to bring the ark up here. So in this came the way of, yo, only the Levites are supposed to handle the ark. And guess what? Even if we did bring the ark up here, I didn't even have a place to put it. 
So then, <laughs> before he actually went out to get the ark this time, David had a tent prepared where the ark of the covenant was stand. And at this time, when they went up to get it, they had all the right equipment to carry it, not on a cart, but with poles that the Levites held on their shoulders. And they had certain Levites as musicians and doorkeepers and gatekeepers, and they were equipped to do it the right way. God is so strategic in his plan that when we deviate from it and try things in our own mind and in our own strength, we figure out real fast that, oh, shoot, that won't the way to do it. Oh, my God, I did this without even seeing <laughs> if this was for me and my lane to be in without even having the right resources. And sometimes, yes, it may have been what I was called to do, but I didn't even know how to do it. And I call these the harder lessons because we've skipped some steps, right? We've skipped the steps required to get the, the job done right or to be where God wants us to be. Yes, but not in the right manner and in, in, in the right time. So we get the the harder lesson of, wow, I had to do it or I had to know it the hard way or the wrong way to know that this isn't by my hand, this isn't by my way, but this should be by God's way of alone. This is his plan for my life. And in order to be succeed, successful in this plan that he has for my life, I have to work with the designer of this plan. I have to work with the creator. I have to go to the one who is not only has the blueprint, but he also has the tools to help me carry it out, the machinery, the manpower, the schedule, and the timeline, all of these things that I'm not privy to. I'm only privy to the destination. I've only just seen the blueprint. Have you ever built something without instructions? I have. But let me tell you, the amount of screws I had left, bruh, <laughs> told me that. Even though I had the picture of the desk that kind of helped me guide me through and it looked like it was put together once I did it, if I had to use that desk with all those extra screws missing and put my computer and everything else on, all my mess would have been in the ground. So sometimes, even if you think your plan worked, if you haven't consulted God in your way of making things happen and in your way of building things up, you better bet it's going to have some screws missing. And sometimes God, will, he'll, he'll allow, allow it for a while so you can see your lesson of nothing without God will last. He's going to teach you that. If you go in unequipped and not ready, you may potentially end up not on, hurting not only yourself but others. Like somebody that you were supposed to help lead to God. When you're unequipped, you miss things. You miss some things. Because you allowed somebody to see an unready you. You gave somebody an unready you. You allowed your temper to be raised off pettiness where a ready you would know how to handle things with grace and without response and allow God to fight your battles. An unequipped and an unready you will have your finances placed where they aren't supposed to go. An unequipped and unready you will have you given in to temptation where you wouldn't even be phased by it if you allowed God to prepare your mind for it. An unready you won't have the proper responses and scriptures to go back on and say, hey, hey, now, 
the word tells me that confusion is of the enemy. The Lord doesn't tempt me to give, to love. I'm supposed to be doing this even in the face of adversity to stand firm and know that God is the I am that supplies and is all of my needs to humble to humble myself before God and at the at the right time he will exalt me. So before you get back to you and leave it there and abandon all else, get back to God and allow him to help you get to where you're supposed to be. So you can be equipped with everything you need. So you don't have to keep taking extra detours and coming out with extra screws. God is a faithful God and he knows what he's doing. And he knows what you want to do and what you desire, but he also knows the appointed time for it. He knows that you have to be more developed and learn some more things for you to be able to handle money like that. For you to be able to handle a child that requires love and time and patience. For you to be able to handle a man that you have, you're going to have to apologize to sometimes when you're wrong and effectively communicate with. For you to be able to handle that sometimes you're going to hurt. But when you hurt, you don't run to people and things outside of your marriage or friendships. For you to be able to handle, you don't speak to everybody because everybody ain't for you. For you to be able to handle isolation, for you to be able to handle the pop-out, for you to be able to handle to listen to instruction when those instructions are hard, for you to be able to give when you feel like you don't have anything else to give, for you to be able to serve when you feel like you don't have enough time, and for the woman that has nothing but some oil and some flour, and you hear God saying, make me This was what you have, and you feel like you don't have enough. God is saying, your flour will not be used up, and your jug of oil will not run dry until I send rain. Equip me for what's next, Lord. Equip me for where you need me to go. Equip me for what you need me to do. Equip me to be who you know I am, but I haven't fully grasped it yet. Lord, equip me. That's not always an easy prayer. And it's not an easy action when it comes, but stand firm, sis. Keep pushing, sis. God has already placed in you what he requires of you. It's up to you to allow him to use you. It's up to you to allow him to show you what you got. People ain't always going to agree agree with what God shows you. They're not going to always allow, always agree with what God shows you to use. Where he tells you to go, what, how he tells you to react, how he tells you to fight, and when he tells you to be still. But continue to read his word and stay close. Continue to pray and seek God. Continue to push when you feel like you don't have no strength. God is molding you. He's preparing you. He is equipping you to win. And your win is going to help you and help others win. Until next time, y'all.